So why would you give a baby oil that was meant for embalming the dead? Seriously, why? But that's what the wise men did when they presented Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus with myrrh. Now, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, myrrh sounds, seems like a pretty strange gift. So have you ever received a strange gift? Well, growing up, my dad was a lawyer. And so we would receive a lot of gifts from his clients to show appreciation for his work. And so sometimes we, we every Christmas, we re, would just receive some great gifts. So we always had a couple tubs of that, that three-flavor popcorn just sitting around the house. The avocado rancher would always send a box of his best avocados. Uh, and then there was always an assortment of fancy meat and cheeses around the kitchen. So December was a pretty yummy place, a pretty yummy time around the Rhodes household. And, and it was awesome. But then sometimes we'd get a strange gift. Hands down, the strangest gift that we ever received from one of his clients was two live pheasants. Now, I know if, if this were a Hmong household, those things would be dinner. But a bunch of sheltered white people, we just stood around this shaking box with holes in it in the garage, dumbfounded. We had no idea what to do with two live pheasants. So I kid you not, we stood in silence for like 15 minutes just staring at each other, staring down at the box, jumping whenever the box would start shaking and the birds would flap it around. And then finally, we just took the box outside and let them go. <laughs> we had no idea. What were we going to do with them? <laughs> they become our new pets? Man, two live pheasants. Sometimes we get strange gifts. That's kind of what it was like with myrrh. You see, one of the more common uses of myrrh was for embalming the dead. In fact, Scripture even mentions that myrrh was used on Jesus after he was crucified and before he was buried. And to prepare him for burial, myrrh was used. Now, myrrh had other uses as well. So women would use it as perfume because it was very aromatic. That's why it was actually really good for dealing with the smells of death. And it's, but it was also a really good perfume. So, guys, if you're looking for a gift for that special lady in your life, nothing says, hey, babe, you smell like death. <laughs> like myrrh. <laughs> and, so, and so what do we make of myrrh? What do we do with this? Well, last week we talked about how frankincense foreshadowed Jesus' role as our high priest and our sacrifice because it was used in the sacrificial offerings. Well, this year, or this week, we're talking about myrrh. And most scholars agree that myrrh foreshadowed Jesus' suffering because of its close association with death. And nowhere in in Scripture is Jesus' suffering captured better than Isaiah 53. So that's what we're going to look at today. 
And we're talking about myrrh and the foreshadowing, the symbolism behind Jesus' suffering. And so Isaiah wrote four different chapters about this person he called the servant. Never named. They were prophetic chapters. And this person just called the servant was described in four places throughout his book. But the most famous one and the most important one is Isaiah 53. It's the last of the four servant chapters. And this one is dubbed the, the suffering servant chapter. And you'll, in a moment, you'll see why. And so why is this one the most important of the four? Well, that's because nearly the majority, sorry, the majority of the New Testament writers refer back to, at some point, refer back to this chapter when they talk about Jesus. It's amazing. Matthew, Luke, John, Paul, and Peter all use this chapter at some point in talking about Jesus. And so we're going to read it. We're gonna, in fact, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's 12 verses. Um, and so we're going to read the whole thing here. And I want you to listen for Jesus. Listen for Jesus in this chapter because he is everywhere. So we're going to start with verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned, has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many 
and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That is our Jesus, our suffering servant. That is the baby in a manger who received myrrh as a gift. Did you notice the verbs in this passage? Despised, rejected, punished, stricken, pierced, crushed, oppressed, afflicted, cut off. That is our Jesus, our suffering servant. That is the baby in the manger who received myrrh as a gift. How did Jesus do it? How did he endure all of that? How, how was Jesus so good at enduring suffering? And more importantly, why are we so bad at it? Well, the answer can be found in the humble sheep. Now, this passage, as you notice, has two statements about sheep. One about Jesus and one about us. So let's start with a basic tutorial about sheep. Now, everything you need to know about sheep can be found in this now rather infamous virus viral video. I love that thing. I crack up every time I watch it. Sheep are not bright creatures. <laughs> Yay, I'm free! Boing, boing, boing! Ah! Isn't that kind of the story of our life? Seriously, sheep are not bright creatures. That's why it makes these sheep references in this chapter all the more intriguing. So let's start with what it says about Jesus as sheep. Okay, here it is. In verse 7 it reads, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. So if you know anything about the Easter story, if, you know anything, if you've heard anything about the, the last week of Jesus' life, then this is a pretty accurate description. Despite the pain, the injustice, the torture, the beating, despite all of that, he didn't protest, he didn't argue, he didn't fight back. Despite the utter injustice of it all, he did none of that. He knew God's will for him. He knew God's will. 
to make his life an offering for our sin. And he obeyed faithfully. He wasn't a victim. He wasn't even a martyr. He was a willing participant because he knew God's will and obeyed. That was Jesus as a sheep. Now let's look at us as sheep. In, in the verse immediately before this one, it talks about us. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has, has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. See, while Jesus perfectly obeyed, we do not. We go our own way. We do our own thing. We disobey God constantly. We go astray. And when God re rescues us out of one of the traps we put ourselves in, and we get so excited, we go bouncing off only to land in another one 50 feet away. That's us as sheep. And then to make matters worse, all of our turning away got turned on Jesus. He took up our pain, bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And when the baby Jesus received myrrh as a gift... It foreshadowed not just his suffering and death, but his obedience in suffering to death. Now, if that were the end of the story, it would still be pretty good. It would make a good Christmas story. Baby Jesus was born to save us. Adult Jesus paid the price for our guilt and our sin. He suffered tremendously, but the benefit was worth it. That could be the end of the story, but it's not. See, once when Jesus was explaining that he was going to die and be resurrected again, that he was going to suffer, here's what he said to the disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must des deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, Jesus calls us not just to benefit from the work of the suffering servant, but to become suffering servants with him. Jesus calls us not just to benefit from the suffering servant, but to become suffering servants with him. He doesn't just want you to give the myrrh. He wants you to receive it also. But see, there's a problem with that calling. Nothing in our world tells us that we should suffer. Nothing in our world tells us we should suffer. 
Your parents will try to solve the problem. And if they're Christian, they'll tell you to pray about it. Your friends might tell you to dump him, go get a new job, or go out drinking. Psychology will tell you to live your true self and don't cling to a false identity. And Instagram will tell you that you should practice self-care and cut off toxic people. Everyone has a solution to suffering. And nowhere in all of those solutions I've ever heard said or posted on Facebook, I've never heard the advice given to welcome suffering. To welcome suffering. But that's exactly what Scripture talks about. In 1 Peter 4.13, it says this, But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And this idea is repeated in Romans 5.3, Philippians 3.10, Colossians 1.24, and so on, and so on, and so on. Jesus Christ suffered and died to make right our wrongs. And when we, when we accept this offering, we take it for ourselves. When we accept his offering on our behalf, he becomes our suffering servant. And in turn, we become his suffering servants. We all want the suffering servant, but none of us want to suffer ourselves. Now, let me make one thing clear. The Bible never says to seek out suffering, or even worse, create it. We are never meant to create suffering and feel like that makes us more holy or more righteous. But God's word promises us that we will experience it. And rather than avoiding it, denying it, or deflecting it, Jesus invites us to participate in it with him. We do not participate in suffering alone. We participate in suffering with Jesus alongside us. The way of the cross is suffering, but so is the way of the manger. The manger and the cross were made of the same wood. Both carried a call to suffering. And the gift of myrrh reminds us of that. It reminds us that Jesus was born, and through his birth, it brings life. Life here and life forever. But it also reminds us that that life came through suffering. It reminds us that as we give Jesus the gift of myrrh, he also calls us to receive it ourselves. And when the time comes to suffer, and rejoice alongside him. 
Let me pray. God, this is a hard ask. I don't think there's anyone in this room or watching us online that would choose to suffer. But Jesus did because it was your will and he obeyed. So Lord, you, you, you promised that we, when we join Jesus in his sufferings, we also join with him in his power. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us as well. So Father God, give us that power. For those of us who are, are, who are walking through suffering right now, empower us all, Lord. And for those for, for whom hardship and suffering is just around the corner and they don't even know it yet. Give your gift of grace. Give the same power that raised Jesus from the dead to them. Lord, help us all celebrate the joy of Christmas and the gift of new life that you give us, Lord. Let us never forget the cost of the suffering Jesus gave or the call that you put on our lives. So let us celebrate well. Let us rejoice well. And when we have to, let us suffer well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as, as a remembrance of Jesus' suffering, we're going to take communion together today. Communion, the Lord's table, is open to everybody who has said yes to him. Everybody who, is, who has accepted that offering of Jesus' suffering. And that's what communion is. We are literally remembering his suffering and his death for us. Like, I'd like to read out of 1 Corinthians what Paul wrote about communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And here it is. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in today's communion, think of this as, as you walk up. Think of this as presenting a gift of myrrh to baby Jesus. And then as you receive the bread and the juice, you too are receiving a gift of myrrh for yourself. It's a way to remember Jesus' death and join with him, partner with him in his suffering. 
So the band's gonna play a little background music. Um, Pomfo and I are gonna be down front. We've got two options for communion. I'm gonna be over on your right side over here with, with a piece of bread and a cup of juice where you can take the bread and dip it into the juice. Pomfo is gonna be over on this side with some of the prepackaged pieces. So whatever you're comfortable with, you can come to the respective side. And take this time to thank Jesus for what he did and ask for that courage and the strength that when you need to, to be able to do the same. 